Physical, mental, like it's, like, I was going to say psychological, but I think people just are psychic, but people, uh, we, we have this, usually the mind-body dualism, so we have this, there's, there's the body, then there's the mind, and then there's the spirit. And so, I'm going to argue today that our well-being as, as human beings uh, deal with all three of these levels. And, you know, in, in general, uh, in these, you know, this day and age, we spend a lot of time on the physical. Right? What is what is the, uh, the expenditure of the healthcare industry you know? <laughs> every year? And in, in this country, are very huge. And then, uh, and more so than it used to be, it wasn't that long ago actually when when mental issues were considered to be kind of you know only for sissies. You know that that, it, that you, <laughs> you should that these things you should just overcome. And it was, you know, it was really quite, uh, you know, there, there, there was quite uh, uh, a negative attachment to the, to the notion of somebody having to, to get some kind of treatment for an emotional or mental problem. You were just supposed to deal with that. Um, I mean, it's like even, even in, in terms of, or maybe even especially you know, in, in terms of you know, military personnel. There have been actually you know, very vivid accounts of you know, what they call you know, post-traumatic stress disorder, going back you know for you know, centuries. You know. But uh, you, you, you know they, they called it shell shock in World War One. Even before that, they, they had this this sort of, sort of situation. But uh, you know it was just considered that's what you dealt with. You know you were you were uh, uh, supposed to be strong. So now these days there's, there's even more emphasis than before on the notion that there's because, you know, mental health is important to our well-being. But, uh, and then, then spiritual, uh, less so. And especially in terms of our life right now. Right? Sometimes you have the notion that there's an afterlife. Right? And so the, spirit, you know, the spiritual doesn't maybe do a whole lot for you right now, but then it, it's going to pay off in the long run. So it does, it does, it's not so integrated into your happiness or your, your well-being right now. And so we're going to argue that, uh, that, that uh, all three of these things, and, and I'm going to argue in particular that this, this, uh, this undervalued spiritual one has a tremendous effect on our well-being. We're, we're going to be, actually going to be looking at this broader section. But, uh, I, I chose this uh, Bhagavad Gita 42 and 43 is because where it delineates the different, these different levels. And uh, we're going to look at this whole section a little bit. So uh, Bhagavad Gita 42 says, the working senses, 342, the working senses are superior to dull matter. Mind is higher than the senses. Intelligence is still higher than the mind. And he, the soul, is even higher than the intelligence. So the, in, in, the, 
in the Vedic conception, this mental or psychic one is divided into, into smaller pieces, actually. So here, the, the, the senses mean, the, mean the, the more the physical. It's, it's, it's what your, it's, uh, your the, the senses in, 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 the, in the Vedic tradition are not what we, uh, are more expanded than, than we have. Usually when we say that we have the five senses, right, sides and all. So this, this, this is called the, the jnana, the knowledge acquiring senses. So the senses are what we, how we interact, perceive and interact with our environment. So we, we, have, we have to be able to perceive the environment, first of all, so we do have the various perceptions are there. And then we act on it. Right? So we have, we, have our, you know, we have our arms and legs and various instruments of action, they call the, the karma indriyani, the senses of action. So it's, it's basically what we you know, consider our, our bodies. And the more physical plane, and then that's how we that's how we how we relate with the world around us, and then here it says there's mind, and, and intelligence is even higher. So that there's we the Vedas, Vedic tradition has has, has uh, identified different components and different functions that happen within the, what we call the inner realm. But sometimes it's called the 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 uh, was it anta anta. No, what is it? What's, it was in the, was internal, antikarana. Yeah, the internal senses, right? The internal function or internal organs, even you say sometimes. Yeah, the internal organs. And uh, and so so within that, there, there's they identify different functions and give them different names. So generally in the West, we just say that it's all mind, but the, but it's it's detailed a little bit more, delineated uh, with a little sharper focus, but. So, so there's that thing, and then, 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 then there's the, the soul, is, is, is the factor there. And in the next verse, uh, Krishna says, Thus knowing oneself to be transcendental to the material senses, mind, and intelligence. So pointing, to, pointing to the spiritual now. O mighty armed Arjuna, one should steady the mind by deliberate spiritual intelligence, says Krishna consciousness, and thus by spiritual strength conquer this insatiable enemy, Known as lust, so we're going to give a little context. This this uh, comma or lust, we're going to, we're going to argue that this is a really huge component in our well-being <laughs> or lack thereof. That's why it's being talked about in this in, in, in this section. And, and so the little context of what's happening here, because this, this this it was was Arjuna asked this interesting question, which I think we all can relate to, all the way back in in three thirty six, and he asked Krishna. He says. By what is one impelled to sinful acts, even unwillingly, as if engaged by force? So he notices this. Uh, he notices this. Uh, this interesting phenomenon that we we sometimes you know, desire to act in a certain way and are unable to do so, or we wish not to act in a certain way, <laughs> and seemingly are forced, almost as if, as, if, as if engaged by force, it seems like we're forced to do it, it doesn't seem to be our will happening there. And he says, what, what causes that? We, we all have that. We've all had situations where we have done exactly the thing we knew better than to do. <laughs> You know, and sometimes, uh, sometimes we realize it right now as we're doing it, and we just can't do it, can't resist. Or we think back later, says, "I knew I shouldn't have done that. <laughs> I knew it. You know, I knew that wasn't right." You know, but I just couldn't, couldn't do it. 
So Krishna, says, Krishna uh, responds to Arjuna, he says, it is lust only, kama is the, the word here in Sanskrit, Arjuna, which is born of contact with the material mode of passion and later transformed into wrath, which is the all-devouring sinful enemy of this world. That's what he says. And so let's look at this word, this word kama. Uh, Prabhupada gives it two different uh, you know, he, this is like a list of all the different places where he translates it here. And so two, almost equally, he, he, des, he, he describes it either as lust, as he does here, or as desire. And, and the, the desire is kind of, is kind of the, the, the base meaning, but it, it's also, as we can see, that even lust has that same duality. Uh, and more in contemporary usage, it, it's, it deals with sexual matters. But... Uh, it's, uh, it says, it's, uh, it says it can be an intense sexual desire or appetite, or a passionate, overmastering desire or craving, is another, is another contemporary definition. And, uh, and the, the, the root of it comes more from that uh, than, than specifically. Uh, so we, we've, so we've, we've experienced this sort of thing. I've got the uh, photograph here of the, the little yellow, uh, orange tabby cat staring at the goldfish bowl. He probably understands that he's, he's not going to, the owners are not going to be very happy if he eats the goldfish. But the, <laughs> but the goldfish are very tempting. You know, he's, he's not able to disassociate himself from it. So he's, he's kind of, he has this kind of thoughtful appearance, like wonder, he's kind of calculating the, the risk-reward here about this. <laughs> and it's, it's, it's unclear whether he's going to resist the temptation or not. But, <laughs> but there he is, and we've all been there. Okay. <laughs> and then uh, I have a quote here from, from Oscar Wilde, who's kind of always good for a, a, little, a nice quote, a witty quote. He says, he says, the only way to get rid of temptation is to yield to it. <laughs> he says, I can resist everything but temptation. <laughs> Which means very little. But <laughs> so he's always, has, he's always had this kind of a, a witty turn of phrase there. Yeah, yeah, so... Yeah, he can. So yeah, that's 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 his that's his take on it, and so we <laughs> we've we've seen that sort of thing, um, and uh, and then it's kind of a, it gives you kind of an echo of Arjuna right there, you know, where Arjuna says, you know, sometimes we just can't resist it, right? And so what, what I'm going to tell you is that 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 the inability to resist our various desires actually impinge upon something we tend to value, which is freedom or autonomy. Uh, I've got a couple of definitions here. The power, to, to the power or right to act, speak, or think as one wants. Or the power of self-determination attributed to the will, attributed to the will, the quality of being independent of fate or necessity, or in this case, of some other force that compels you to do it. So, we want to do... Um, um, what we we want to be able to act as we wish, right? that that's that that's a, a, a symptom of freedom, and when we are compelled by external forces to do what we won't don't do, we we consider that to be oppression. Right? If somebody forces us, they come in, you know, by whatever by force of legislation or physical armaments or whatever it may be compel you to, to, to not be able to do it, to live as you choose, we consider that to be a type of oppression, right? So, um, 
And so this, this inability to overcome our desire does that in an internal basis. And then Arjuna perceived it right, as an external force almost. He said, almost as if by force, as he's forced to do it. And so the inability to live as we choose and to do the things we want are inhibited by this, the power of, of desire. And we, we find that, you know. Like I said, whenever we regret doing something that we knew better than, you know, or are failed to do something that we desire because of the temptation. Like I said, we have the, uh, here in, 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 in America anyway, we have this, you know, the, the New Year's resolution tradition where you make some resolve here in the New Year. It's a new year, now we're going to do something, you know, that we really want to do. We're going to make some changes in our lives or add something or subtract something. And, you know, I don't know if anybody's done a scientific study, but I, I think it's pretty clear by all kinds of anecdotal evidence that a large percentage of those resolutions are already cast aside by January 2. <laughs> Three or four gets higher and higher. You know, by one month, forget about it. <laughs> We're back into, back into the soup. Now, some people may argue, and this, this, is, this is something that happens, that, 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 uh, that, that this is an artificial uh, dilemma, that when we seem to want something right, and, 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 and are unable to do it or unable to resist something that we don't want to do, is that we're actually internalizing some kind of external standards of behavior. Um, that, um, that, that really the, the only problem is that we, we should just accept what we really want. Right? There's a um, uh, uh, little famous short poem here, my spiritual master likes this one, by the romantic poet William Blake, who uh, kind of articulates this. And the poem is called The Garden of Love. And he says, I went to the Garden of Love and saw what I never had seen. A chapel was built in the midst where I used to play on the green. And the gates of this chapel were shut, and thou shalt not writ over the door. So I turned to the garden of love that so many sweet flowers bore, and I saw it was filled with graves and tombstones where flowers should be. And priests in black gowns were walking their rounds and binding with briars, those are thorny bushes, my joys and desires. So... This is, this is this notion of, of, of an oppression by an external morality. Right, so, so before they were just, he was just enjoying himself out there in nature and then comes religion <laughs> and priests that tell him, thou shalt not do this, you shouldn't do that. And it's just binding with briars, <laughs> my joys and desires. And so you, you, you'll find that. I had a, I had a, a friend of mine uh, from college, who uh, who uh, saw a little bit of this actually. He 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 at some later stage of life, he wanted to reform his ways. He he had a a, a big trouble with with drugs, and he was uh, and, and he was a, a, a tremendous womanizer. And uh, and there came a point in his life when he didn't want to do that anymore. He he saw that uh, I mean you know. 
he saw that it, it took so much of his time and energy to try to, to maintain these things. It also, he, at the same time he was trying to have relationships with so many women, he was trying also to have a, a steady one. Even he had a marriage. And so he saw how that negatively impacted him, that desire of his to do that, and also how it hurt the other person involved in the long-term relationship, and also the other people he was dealing with. And so he, he saw harm to himself, and he saw harm to others. And he wanted to, and he, he, but he, it was a, a kind of addiction, as far as he was concerned. He couldn't break out of it. And so he said he went to a, a, a psychologist and, and was asking for help with that. And then the first one he went to told him, no, 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 no. <laughs> it was like this. You're, you're just you know, trying to internalize this external morality that you're not supposed to do this. But you just want to do this. That's who you are. Just become, you know, just become, you know, reconciled with who you are. And you won't have this kind of conflict. The, the French philosopher Jean-Paul Sartre, he had a similar analysis. He called it bad faith. He used the example say, of trying to quit smoking, another type of addiction. And he said, you, you know, first of all, you're saying you want to quit it, but then you have the desire to smoke. So, what's the, you know, he said, this is an artificial conflict. Obviously, you want to smoke, so smoke. So this is called a bad faith. Our understanding is that it's coming from two different places in our psychic life. There's this intelligence where, where we really make real value judgments. And then there's the mind or the other thing, the other thing that, that, that wants the other, and also this comma that acts through them, that wants this particular thing. So it's a, it's a, it's a genuine internal conflict. And so for him, and so he, he, he said, when, when that guy told him, he says, I fired that guy. That was what he told me. He said, I fired that guy, because that wasn't what he wanted. He didn't want to reconcile himself because he really, truly wanted to be different. It wasn't because somebody else told him he should or he felt that he was being immoral by somebody else's standards, but by his own standards. Genuinely wanted to change. And so he, he, eventually he found somebody who helped him to, to work through it, and, uh, and, and it seemed like he was, he was successful in that. Um, so, so, so what we're talking about here is, is you know, genuinely, you know, held beliefs. So, so we're going to say, and I think all of us have understood this thing uh, of the power of different types of addictions. We see it happening in, you know, in our own lives, even if it's not, you know, chemical addictions, we have various types of addictions. You know, cell phone addictions, internet addictions, <laughs> you know, different types of things. We have all different, you know, we, we've all had some experience with addictive behaviors that we've had to curtail. And if, we, and if we haven't seen it ourselves, we see it certainly in others, you know. And so, so it's it's not just a question of uh, of uh, that that to live authentically, you simply follow all of your desires, as uh, as Blake was kind of was kind of uh, uh, insinuating. Of course, even with him, you know, most people will will will, will presume that uh, that uh, you shouldn't necessarily follow desires that have a terrible impact upon others. Right, say, say if I, I suspect if my friend had been a serial killer <laughs> and went to, even to the first psychologist, he may have not have gotten quite the same response. You know, that that, that uh, uh, maybe somehow don't feel guilty about it, but we got to stop you somehow. <laughs> you would have said, you know. So, so we, we, we do see that that uh, uh, that this notion of internal conflict, you know, can, can be can be genuine and not just a uh, not just a uh, a phenomenon that, that can be ignored. 
Because you know, there, there are actions said, which, which are, you know, we see are, are harmful to ourselves, addictive to sorts of behaviors that we see are not really part of what we really desire. And may, other things that may be very negative towards others. And so this, this, the, the power of, of desire to overcome our you know, actual notions of value, it actually uh, makes us unable to authentically live you know, our own values, our own truth. And so I think most people will, will think that that's a, that's a bad thing. <laughs> we should at least, even, even, if, we, even if we're, uh, you know, uh, just dealing with our own internal values, if we, if we can't follow those properly, that's harmful. So, I'm going to look here. Um, and in and, and Bhagavad Gita 340, and we're breaking this translation into two parts. Because at first he says something interesting. He says, the senses, the mind, and intelligence are sitting places of this kama or desire, the lust. So here again it seems like we're still on the, on the physical and the mental platform. It doesn't seem to be a spiritual component. And, and this is... Um, and, and we can... Uh, we can see how this happens. We, this is how actually we experience it also. It's not just, just what it says here in the Bhagavad Gita, but our experience of desire seems to manifest through these three things. So the, the senses, right? Sometimes you know, we, we feel hunger or thirst. Or you know, if, if we have, uh, oftentimes, um, uh, we're very much creatures of habit. So, so when, when people try to break habits, one of the things they have to do is, is do something else, especially if they have a habit that's done at a certain time. Mm-hmm. You try to do something else at that time because you want to do something. <laughs> You're used to that. People, people with, with, uh, with uh, tobacco addictions, they, they have, usually people will smoke after eating. And so then after eating, you have to find something else to do because that desire just comes out. Okay. So, so, so things come, come from, desires will come from the, from the senses, just from the, the physical, we have physical cravings of different kinds uh, come out. And that we, so we experience it that way. Other times, uh, things will come to mind. Right? Oh, what about this? What about that? Wouldn't that be fun? You have conversations like that. We have in, internal conversations also. So I remember when we were little kids, we, we, we would, we'd have these kind of discussions about what we were going to play next, right? And somebody would say this, and we'd say, nah, <laughs> about this, nah, about this. And then finally, yes, we'd go and run and do this, play this game instead of that game, nah, 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 yeah, <laughs> and go. And so we had this in, in, inside our heads, you know, hey, what, what about this, what about this, no, 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 yeah, you know. So, so we, 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 desire comes also from, it, from the mind. And then the intelligence is, 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 is our kind of capacity for understanding. Uh, it allows us to interpret what's going on. It, it also contains, uh, reflects our values. But sometimes we won't have any particular craving from the senses or the mind isn't saying anything, but we just come across an interesting possibility. <laughs> right? I just, my, uh, as my, uh, my sister and uh, her soon-to-be future, I think, daughter-in-law, they have a little, uh, little side business that they go to farmers' markets and sell different types of sweets. 
And uh, on Facebook, I saw this uh, whole rack they had of all different kinds of cookies. And so the, the, the idea is, of course, that uh, if they have a nice enough display, that people walking by, they may not be suffering any hunger pangs, or maybe no idea came to their mind previously about cookies, for example. But as you walk by, and they, and this is, of course, how, you know, how displays work, right? the, the eye is set upon it, and the intelligence says, cookies, <laughs> there's cookies there, there's so many different varieties of cookies. So there's opportunity for something. And then the other, you know, when, when it arises from one of the senses, say, say you, 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 you're, you know, you, the, the, the actual physical, the senses have a craving, right? Then your mind goes into action, how to fix it. Gives that different ideas. You say, oh, I'm really hungry. What can I eat? This, 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 this. Nah, 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 yeah. And then they also, the, the intelligence tries to figure out how you can do it. What, what are the opportunities? <laughs> like we say, well, I can't do that because I don't have this, I don't have that. Or if it comes from the mind, then automatically, then, 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 then it's accompanied by a physical craving. Yeah. <laughs> that, I can, almost, I can almost feel it, I can almost taste it. I want to do this. And then also, again, the intelligence comes into play, how to fulfill it. So in this case, if, it's, if it starts with the intelligence, here's an opportunity, and I goes, yes, cookies are great. And all the, 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 you can taste them. You can begin to anticipate the taste, and so it becomes a physical craving. So the origin can come from any of them. And the other, with the other ones, you know, jump right on board. <laughs> it activates the whole, the whole response. You know? <laughs> One thing leads to another, and then pretty soon, you're eating cookies. <laughs> You're a little bit poorer. You just spent, you spent your hard-earned money, and you're chowing down on cookies. <laughs> Maybe despite your, you know, best dietary <laughs> considerations. <laughs> you know? And so, if the display is nice enough, you know, that's it. That's what happens to you. <laughs> okay. So again, it's, it seems like this is all within the the the, the, the physical, mental. You know. Uh, regions, and then in the second half of this this translation in in in, in text three forty, Krishna, he says, through them, lust covers the real knowledge of the living entity, and bewilders him. So this is pointing beyond that. It's having some effect on the knowledge of our real self. That's what he's saying. Um, and suggesting. So this is an indication that it goes a little bit deeper than that. And, and, and in the commentary of this verse, Srila uh, Prabhupada says, lusty intelligence influences the spirit's soul to acquire the false ego and identify itself with matter, and thus with the mind and senses, and thus with the mind and senses, I'm sorry. The spirit's soul becomes addicted to enjoying the material senses and mistakes this as true happiness. Okay, so this is giving us this notion that there's a, a deeper layer still to this comma uh, or desire that's affecting us in these ways. And then, way back a little bit earlier, um, in the text 337, in his commentary, Prabhupada says, when a living entity comes into contact with the material creation, his eternal love for Krishna is transformed into lust. 
And then he says, he says, the Supreme Personality of Godhead expanded himself into many for his ever-increasing spiritual bliss, and the living entities are parts and parcels of this spiritual bliss. And further, he says, they, have, they also have partial independence, but, the, but by misuse of their independence, when the service attitude is transformed into the propensity for sense enjoyment of desire, they come under the sway of lust. Now you'll notice if you if, if if you look a little carefully that there seems to be two two causes here. Here first it it, it says that the lust causes you to to lose your identity, and then here it's saying that and so it's, it's, it seems that somehow. The mind, the, the the physical and the and the the mental, are affecting the spiritual. And in this case, though, it it it, it seems to indicate that there's, there's a spiritual problem here. That it said that that that, that we're initial, we're spiritual beings, who have taken a wrong decision. They've used their independence, to change their their situation, and that has produced lust or desire. And what I will submit to you is that we, we, we have a, a feedback loop that's going on here. That, that's, 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 what, that's why those, both of things are true. But originally, you have this spiritual transformation that happens. It says that we're, we're entities created from Krishna as part of his bliss. <laughs> Isn't that what this is? Right? What was it that he said? expanded himself into many for his ever-increasing spiritual bliss, and the living entities are parts and parcel of this spiritual bliss. But, because we have independence, and we've misused it, when the service attitude to Krishna is transformed into the, into the enjoying propensity, they come under the, swell of lust, under the sway of lust. Right? So there's an initial spiritual problem that's reinforced. Once, it's, once lust is there, then it keep, it locks that in. It reinforces that misconception. So there's a feedback loop, which makes it very difficult to get out of. Right, it's like when you, uh, um, if you're stuck in quicksand, <laughs> you try to get out, or you're, you're caught in the spider's web. If the insect in the spider's web, the more they struggle, <laughs> the more they get entangled in the web. So the, the, the first problem was getting attached to the web, <laughs> but then that leads to further complications as you, as you, as you flail about. So that, that happened to us. And, uh, we, began to, we began to flail about. And so then it locks that in to the point that we don't even recall the original spiritual decision. So it becomes a very, very complicated situation. To that point. Um, then uh, Srila Prabhupada says uh, that uh, in Krishna consciousness the soul makes direct connection with the Supreme Personality of Godhead. So when we make this fateful decision, 
which now is even, it's, it's even erased from our view because we're so caught up in the consequences of that initial uh, decision. And we decided we didn't want to be in connection with Krishna and, 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 and serve him and please him. Because it says that that's our nature, is that we're givers. We're meant to give. And that is, comes out of this connection with the Supreme Personality of Godhead. That it by, it, it's a natural thing that when we encounter someone or something extraordinary, we even have that in our present condition, we sometimes want to do something for them. We want to cooperate with them, do whatever they're doing. We somehow, we feel a desire that, wow, that's really amazing. Sometimes people do this with, you know, there's, you know, conservationists that fall in love with some, you know, beautiful wild place. <laughs> and they dedicate their lives. They're going to keep this thing you know, from being developed. They're going to do these kind of things. It can be, otherwise, we can do it with people, you know, or wonderful causes or things. We give ourselves. When we see something of tremendous value, there's even a tendency for us to extend ourselves and give ourselves. So in our natural condition, you know, Krishna is so wonderful. I mean, every wonderful thing that has ever existed and would ever exist is just a tiny hint of Krishna's wonder. I, I take it almost like, so like, like a, 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 a uh, homeopathic dilution. <laughs> Krishna says that with, a, with a spark of his splendor, he, he creates so many universes. And so in, in, any, in any universe, there's so many wonderful things. So if you could take Krishna and, you know, like, you know when I do homeopathy, right, the, the, the dilution is so great, you almost have no, nothing of the original left, but even still has some, some potency somehow. And so if you could dilute Krishna down, <laughs> almost to the level of homeopathy, all the wonderful things that we've seen and experienced, it's awesome, you know, would be like that, just a little hint, the tiniest hint of who Krishna is. And so in connection with Krishna, there's, there's, there's a, a natural feeling of... of uh, and what happens when, you, you know, like when, when these people sacrifice themselves or put themselves out for something? They don't feel like it's a sacrifice. They feel like they're, they're somehow paying back for what they've received. Like, oh, this, you know, this person is so wonderful, or this, this, this spot in nature, whatever it may be, you know, is so wonderful, and he wants to protect you know, them. You know, people who want to protect the rights of the animals. You know, the animals are so nice. You know, they do that, or, or you know, whatever. You know, they have rights for you know for oppressed people. And, you know, the people are so nice. We want to. So I don't feel it's a sacrifice. I feel that it's you know, an expression of my of my real regard. And so, so, it, so you don't feel. Those people don't, don't feel like they're missing out on something. Right? There's a, 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 certain, a certain wonderful feeling that comes from a connection with something like that. That's fulfilling. And that just impels action. And, and, we, and you can imagine if you extrapolate that you know, to you know, basically infinity. It's, it's, it's what you're dealing with. With when, when, when a soul is connected with Krishna. Mm-hmm. 
And because of that connection, there's a, a feeling of fulfillment, of worth, of contentment. And as soon as, as, as that polarity shifts, that I'm going to give to the most wonderful, and says that, well, let me, I want to see what it's like to receive. I want to see what it's like. I want to be adored. I don't want to be the adorer. I would like to be adored. I would like to be the taker and not the giver. When that, then, then suddenly you lose that connection. You lose that connection. You lose the fulfillment that comes from that. You lose the, the natural wholeness of yourself. And you're trying to find fulfillment from the outside. And without Krishna, we, uh, we've discovered this, that we never get fulfilled. That we've, we've been trying, and we, according to our understanding, we've been trying for many, many lifetimes, not just this one, but we've been trying throughout our lives to find fulfillment and satisfaction. And we haven't done it. We found things that have given us some joy, we found things that have given us some happiness, and where does it go? Where does it go? Where have all the happy events in our lives gone? They go right into the past, and they and they, and they don't they don't they don't remain. Live us with a, give us with a feeling of, of 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 contentment or peace or fulfillment or wholeness. Now they're gone. We have to replace them. In fact, when we lose things, oftentimes it leaves a, a deeper hole, seemingly in the heart. We oh we had this and it was, at least it helped <laughs> and now it's gone so now I'm, I'm doubly doubly in need and that's what's happening to us so there, there's a fundamental change at the spiritual level that's affecting us on all these other levels we take it for granted that we're unfulfilled and we're looking for fulfillment. We take it for granted that we need, we crave, and that's normal. We take it that for granted. We take it for granted that, that there's this emptiness there that has to be filled. And that's all we've known. And so we try to deal with it on the on that level, on the mental and physical level, because that's where we tend to feel it. Right? That's where we feel it. But the, the cause is on the higher level, the spiritual level. And so if we can begin to flip that, re-reverse the polarity, and we, we have people, I mean, everybody's experienced joy, there's some joy in giving that when we do somehow encounter someone or something that impels that desire to give, that there's a strange satisfaction that comes to it, with it. There's a happiness, a joy, and there's also a certain satisfaction that creeps in. People know about it, it's the joy of giving. 
But it's never intense enough to fully fulfill. So we have that experience. Even that can't overcome all, all of the neediness. It can't be full satisfaction. And it never lasts long enough. You get tired of whatever it was. That's that same person who is so wonderful, you begin to notice the downside. <laughs> you know, there's all, it, and it, it becomes the same. So we, we notice that, but we don't feel that, that, that giving alone could be sufficient because it never seems to uh, be completely fulfilling and it never seems to last. But we have already some notion of, of the, the, the fact, some insight in the fact that actually we're meant for giving. It just takes a stimulation that's powerful enough, wonderful enough, and continuous enough to make it be sustainable. So when we're in connection with Krishna, you never get to the bottom of what was wonderful about Krishna. It says, says that those who are in touch with Krishna, right, every time that they see Krishna or deal with him in some way, it's as if you know they had never understood anything in the past. It's Prabhupada uses the, the word "ever fresh." It's it's like falling in love intensely for the very first time, every time. Just continues to blow the mind. And the, the situation there is that Krishna also, it's, it's not a one-way street. It's intensely in that direction that the, 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 the small beings that, are, that we are, or small little parts of Krishna's bliss, right? that because, because Krishna is so extraordinary, that we, you know, our love for him is intense, it's very powerful. But from his side, there's love up coming back the other way. And so it's not only that we're giving love, but we're receiving love. And from a source that is also amazing. And so imagine how you feel, right, when, if, if, if you're, just imagine how you, even if, if you imagine some, some person who you would just admire and think is extraordinary and they show some concern or love for you. How do you feel? You want to, first of all, you want to do something for them and they appreciate it. They give time to you, they give attention to you. That, that completes the circle. You feel so, you feel like, yes, your, your, your worth is, is, is confirmed. If someone like that thinks something of me, then there must be something. And if you can receive love from, from something like that, then, then what greater happiness could there be? So there's contentment, right? joy, you know, a, a feeling of completeness and, uh, and worthiness. And, you know, you, you know, that's it. No self-doubt. That's a natural condition. In our unnatural condition, it's just the opposite. We wonder, right? 
people don't always treat us very well. People don't notice us. You know? Maybe we're not very worthwhile. <laughs> maybe we're not, you know, maybe we're just failures. Not anything special enough. Somehow, you know. We, we, we don't feel that joy. We feel a lacking that comes out in so many different ways. See, the, this, the different desires come from this, this feeling of lack. When we feel some satisfaction, so we can do the, you know, the simple, simple meditation that happens when we think of things we're grateful for. Also, we, even just, just a quick, it won't last for a long time, but, <laughs> but if we try to do that, suddenly we feel more satisfied. As we feel more satisfied, the different desires go down. The more empty we feel, the more there's a, 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 a different ways we're trying to fill that emptiness. And this emptiness is, a, is the reversal of love. So instead of feeling you know, that you're in connection with the most wonderful, that's drawing out your love, you're receiving love back, that's making you feel whole and beautiful valued. No, we just want to be valued, you know, and, and full of contentment. You know? And there's connection, right? It's, it's, don't we feel isolated here in this world? There's isolation, right? So isolation, a lack of self-worth, and, and emptiness are there. Those are the, the reverse of the effects of love. You feel a connection, you feel valuable, and you feel joyful. Over, overflowing. In that sense, you're so whole, you're so whole, you're overflowing with love. Love is an overflowing of, of satisfaction. So you're hyper-satisfied. You feel, you feel, feel valued to, 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 to a degree you couldn't even imagine. Right? And you feel, you feel whole. You feel, you feel this is full contentment. You feel, and you feel connected. You're not alone. So here we feel those opposite things. Right? And if you look at your, especially your psychology and, and also your physiology, these things rule our lives. Almost everything we do comes back to some, some one or two or all three of those things. The emptiness, the lack of self-worth, and the lack of connectedness. Is they're hugely dominating our lives, and the, the, the causes that not there it's the spiritual, and so the, the and because it's a feedback loop, it's reinforcing itself. The only hope we have is to attack it on the spiritual level, and to reconnect. That's why Prabhupada says here at the very end. He says, this is from the says this, this third chapter of the Bhagavad Gita is conclusively directive to Krishna consciousness by knowing oneself as the eternal servitor of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. So somehow we have to get connection with Krishna again. To be attracted, to, to rethink our original decision. <laughs> hey, that wasn't such a great idea. <laughs> After all, that Krishna is so wonderful. Why don't I just love Krishna and be loved? We have to be attracted out of it. Because now we're in the feedback loop. The, the, the original decision caused us to have these three problems. This problem of desire reinforces that feeling. 
Prabhupada mentions how the, the, the lust causes us to forget our original identity. So it reinforces it. We become so entangled in the, in the spider web that we can't pull out this thread or that thread. It's not going to work. We're caught. The only way we can do it is to attack it directly at the spiritual level and come into contact with Krishna again. Where we can say, hey, that's a better idea. <laughs> Let's be connected with Krishna. And begin the pro- that begins the process of untangling. So that's the, that's the power of bhakti. That we're attacking this really important problem from the spiritual level. You can work on the physical level, you can work on the mental level. It may help you some, also. But if you don't attack it on the spiritual level, it's not going to work. So, comments or questions?